That's Jessica at 502-774-0943. I look forward to helping you grow your business through the outlets of Board Media Group. Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past i want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my now here's your host matt dennison it's indiana what i feel is the pinnacle the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball Hello and welcome in to this Monday edition of the show. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Another game Saturday and a disappointing loss for Indiana. Northwestern came in shorthanded, starting point guard out for the season, and Indiana just can't find a way to get it done at home. At this point, you wonder, between now and the start of the Big Ten Conference Tournament, Will this Indiana team win a game? I said last week I went bold three-game prediction the rest of the way. I'm not sure at this point. Indiana with its back against the wall, not playing good basketball. They're getting some good individual performances, but those are just not translating into team success. So Indiana with a disappointing loss to Northwestern over the weekend. Very good basketball weekend, though. We had high school hoops. We had the tournament pairings for the upcoming state tournament out of Indianapolis. And, of course, we had NBA All-Star Weekend. And uh, NBA All-Star Weekend, I know many of you probably could take it or leave it, but it was in Indianapolis. It was right there in our Hoosier State. And I tell you what, our state was a great host, a great uh, opportunity to show how important basketball is at all levels here in Indiana. And it was so good to see the crowds, the city uh, be so excited for everything. It was a great backdrop for a wonderful weekend of events and so many other things connected or maybe even not officially connected uh, to the uh, NBA All-Star Weekend that were fun. But just a great job for Indianapolis. Another job well done when it comes to hosting a big-time event and a big-time sporting event in the city that obviously, uh, from an economic development standpoint, for so many different reasons, is great for the state to host those kind of events. But I'll tell you what the highlight was for me. It wasn't the game or the slam dunk contest or anything like that. It was the show that aired, I think, a couple times over the weekend, but I think it initially aired on Saturday before NBA All-Star Saturday night. It was a sit-down conversation with Reggie Miller, Oscar Robertson, and Larry Bird. And for an hour, they just kind of told stories and talked about their experiences in Indiana. Obviously, Reggie as a pacer, Larry Bird as everything Indiana basketball. I mean, my goodness, uh, French Lick, Springs Valley, uh, Indiana, Indiana State, uh, the Celtics, and then coming back to coach and be in the front office now uh, for the Pacers. And Oscar Robertson, obviously, uh, from Christmas Attics right in Indianapolis. There was a big ceremony for him over the weekend where they're going to unveil a statue 
statue, rightfully so, for all that he has done for the game in our state. But really neat to see those guys just sit down and talk about basketball and how important is it uh, it is here in our state. So many clips of different high school gymnasiums and big crowds, and just it was really good. It was a good national showcase of what Indiana high school basketball, and really Indiana basketball as a whole, uh, are all about. Also, some really interesting conversations between uh, uh, l- later in another show, Isaiah Thomas. Actually, Isaiah was the third. Oscar Robertson was on before the start of the game, but Isaiah and Larry had some good conversations about Indiana, and when Larry Bird first came to Indiana to play for Bob Knight. If you didn't see it, I'm sure it's going to be on NBA TV and other places, but it really, really was a great program that highlighted basketball in our state. Busy show. Let's look at the show lineup. A service of Honey Bay Tam in New Albany. Segment one in just a few moments, Justin Soakland is going to join us. Justin covers uh, Bedford North Lawrence Athletics for the WBIW radio station in Bedford. You can read all this work at WBIW.com. Yesterday, last night, sectional pairings came out. Of course, with Justin, we'll focus on the big 4A sectional at Seymour that locally involves New Albany, Jeffersonville, and Floyd Central. It's always fun to see how the bracket shapes up. We now know the pathways for our local teams if they're going to bring home some sectional uh, titles, some sectional championships, and we'll talk about those with uh, Justin coming up here in just a bit. Also, later today, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is out today. Jeff Rabjohns, editor of Peaks.com, will fill in. We'll recap IU Northwestern. We'll talk about what's ahead for this Indiana team. Derek Queen, it appears, is inching closer to a decision. Has Indiana's dismal play of late hurt the Hoosiers' chances landing him? We'll discuss that and more. And then finally, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, IHSA Executive Board Member representing Southern Indiana. He'll be with us as we talk more about the draw and, of course, local sports here in Southern Indiana. That's the lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Check them out today for lunch. They've got great sandwiches, salads, and soups that are made fresh daily, and they will surely satisfy any craving you have. You might even find something else to take home as they have a variety of dinner packages. Give Honey Baked Tam in New Albany a try. I think you'll be glad that you did. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You got a question, a comment, you want to sound off on the Hoosiers, what sectional, as far as the pairings, are you most excited about? We'd love to hear from you. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. If you're looking for an icy cold thirst quencher to keep your day going in the right direction, right now at Thornton's, all 32-ounce fountain drinks and smaller are only 89 cents. You heard it right, only 89 cents. So come in today and grab a fountain drink from Thornton's and send us a text on the Thornton's text line. Justin Soakland, WBIW.com is with us right now. Justin, we had the great opportunity to see the sectional pairings come down from Indianapolis last night. Obviously, your focus is Bedford North Lawrence, the three 4A schools in our area, Jeffersonville, New Albany, and Floyd Central. It's going to be Jeff and Seymour right out of the gate on Tuesday night of sectional week at 6 p.m., then Bedford North Lawrence in New Albany on Tuesday night in the other first-round game. Floyd Central got a bye. They take on the Jeff Seymour winner. Jennings County gets a bye. They take on the Bedford New Albany winner. Justin, your thoughts now that we know the pathway for our teams to maybe get to a sectional championship. Well, Matt, when the girls' parents come out, I thought it was almost like they had seeded it perfectly. This is exactly the opposite. I mean, you've got some of the most uh, – 
toughest first round games that I can remember in a long time at Seymour. I mean, you got the two teams that are the uh, co champions of the HAC uh, playing game one, and then you've got the second, probably two best teams in terms of records that are going to play in game two. I mean, so just right out of the bat, you're going to have two tremendous games at Seymour for the first round on a Tuesday night. Justin, my big thought when I saw the pairings for the first time, Jennings County, I think, is the big winner as far as the draw goes. Uh, They don't have a great record, but they've got a couple shooters, and we all know that shooters can keep you in games, especially in the postseason. So Jennings County, that bye, they need to beat the winner of Bedford New Albany to get to a championship, and then they would square off likely against Jeffersonville or Seymour, whoever comes out of that first game. But I think Jennings County got the best draw. They probably did. You could argue that, yes. I mean, they uh, they, they are a dangerous team. As I was with Kent uh, being one of their offensive threats, and uh, like you said, they get to sit there and watch everybody else beat on each other on that first night. So it's, it, that will be – they're in the catbird seat. I would say I would agree with that. Uh, but the the other issue is, is you know, the, the, the Seymour-Jeffersonville first game. Okay, that was won by Seymour by one point at Seymour back in December. Jeffersonville didn't have uh, some of their t- top people. So, uh, how does that play out in a rematch? Uh, I think Jeffersonville has the most athletic talent. Seymour is going to be really, really tough to beat because of the way they play and the way they can defend, and they're at home. So, that's going to be uh, a great rematch. Uh, we have no idea about being on the wall, but because they haven't played yet. They were supposed to play Friday night, uh, got postponed. It's now going to be Wednesday night for senior night at New Albany. And so, that's going to be kind of a, a, you know, a preview game right away uh, as far as how those two will match up. So, we really don't know. I mean, it's it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think, with the way New Albany plays. and uh, they, But it's going to be very interesting to see those two teams play on Wednesday and then, you know, six days later turn around and play again. So you've got that dynamic in, in that first-round game, too. So I think this entire sectional right now is very unpredictable. I think we'll know a lot more about Bedford New Albany, obviously, after the Wednesday night uh, makeup date. But Jeff Seymour in that opening game of the sectional at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium. Jeff, 13 and 7. But if you go back to the December 8th game, their first Hoosier Hills Conference game of the season, you mentioned Jeffersonville was clipped by Seymour. The final score was 40 39. Jeff was without Big Trey Singleton that night. Uh, he was unable to play, not allowed to play. But obviously, we expect Jeff to be fully healthy and ready for that sectional game coming up a week uh, basically from tomorrow. So it's kind of contrasting style. Seymour, the home court advantage. Seymour, very methodical. They guard you very tough, uh, very defensive-oriented team. And Jeffersonville, they like to get out and run. They like to create transition, create fast breaks. So uh, it's going to be interesting, a rematch where Seymour has already won the first one. That's got to stick in Jeffersonville's crawl a little bit. I think game two could also be really good. Well, and I, the contrast in styles is really, really tough. Coaches will tell you it is a lot easier to, to slow a team down than it is to speed them up. And Jeffersonville is going to struggle to speed Seymour up because they're just not going to allow it. I mean, Kirk Mance is a great coach, and he won't allow it if he can possibly do so. And the main thing will be if Seymour can take care of the ball and not turn it over because that's going to fuel Jeffersonville's game. You know, they, you know, they say turn you over with their press, get some easy baskets, and then that's going to, that's going to hurt Seymour. But if Seymour can handle the ball, they can play defense, they can slow the game down, and if the game's in the 40s, that is to their advantage, there's no question. Uh, BNL New Albany, again, I expect this game to be high scoring. New Albany's averaging 70 points a game. They're giving up over 63, I think. So this game could be a shootout with whoever hits the most threes, and I wouldn't see anything different in the sectional rematch 
uh, talked to the BNL coach, you know, Kirk Bedleski, after the draw on uh, Sunday night. And uh, by the way, I forgot now what even day this is. It's been since a blur here lately. But anyway, it's uh, he said, "Hey, we're going to show all our cards. They're not going to hold anything back. We're going down to try to win." So I, I expect to see a very high-scoring game on Wednesday. Talking with Justin Soakland, WBIW.com. He covers Bedford North Lawrence Athletics and joining us today to talk about the Seymour sectional pairings. We'll get to some others here in a minute, but obviously our focus with Justin is on the 4A sectional at Seymour. I said this a couple times in recent weeks on the show, but I feel like every year I say the draw is going to be so very important when it comes to the Seymour sectional. And that was probably the one, maybe also the Providence, the 2A sectional, to see if them and Brownstown would draw opposite of each other other which they did but Seymour I really think is one where the draw can play a factor here um, do you feel like every year we're kind of saying that because of some con- uh, really some evenness that that sectional and, and really the conference has experienced the last few years maybe even going back since the Romeo Langford uh, days it's been more even the last number of years than it I think it was for for some time I, I think the draw is always vital in this sectional because of the Hoosier Hills conference connection you know, these are all conference teams. They are all very familiar with with each other. They all play each other, and they all scout each other nonstop. So they know who they're going to play, and they know everything about who they're going to play. So I think that adds to the evenness of it. And also, you know, there may be some blowouts during the regular season, but when you get a second shot at somebody, that changes everything. So, again, I, I think that just adds to the fact that these teams are so familiar with each other. That's why you get these closer games and these tighter games in the sectional there and the draw is so important you you know you always want to get the short the short route if you can and you always want to avoid you know who would be designated the favorite i don't know if you can designate seymour or jeff either one the favorite i mean i think they're the the conference champion so they're they've earned that right but in reality uh you know new albany proved they could play with either one of them and uh being you know we're going to see how good they are again on wednesday because they took seymour to overtime and uh, now Jeff handled them pretty easily at Jeffersonville. So, again, I think any of those four teams, uh, you could make a legitimate case that if they get to the final game, are going to be uh, very dangerous in that game. Justin, I agree with you. I think Jeff and Seymour have to be considered basically co-favorites, although if I had to pick a favorite to win it right now, even after seeing the draw, I would go with the Red Devils. My, my final question about this sectional is, is this. Who's the top sleeper that could maybe, now that you've seen the draw, could get this Saturday and, and maybe have a chance to come out as the champion? Well, I would say, having not seen New Albany in person yet, that's a little bit of a tough question, but uh, I would say the winner of this BNL New Albany game on Wednesday would probably be a sleeper because they're going to they're going to have the you know advantage in the rematch and they're going to play Jennings who uh, yeah they're ten and twelve a little bit of a dangerous team with their scoring but I, I you know BNL beat them at Jennings already and I think New Albany already beat them so um, so it's that that's uh, the winner of that game I think has a good chance to get to Saturday and be a very dangerous out on Saturday. Because Seymour is going to have you know, a tough game, or just going to have a tough game in the first, and don't overlook Floyd Central because they have—we haven't even mentioned them—but they have some weapons. And I know they're eight and twelve, I think, something like that. But you know, first-year coach. Uh, but they—they could be you know a, a team that could sneak up on you if you're overlooking them. So I think whoever wins the New Albany uh, B&O game on Wednesday could probably be the most dangerous sleeper of the other teams. 
Justin Soakland, WBIW.com. He covers Bedford Athletics. Let's drop down. I know your focus is Seymour because that's where Bedford's at, but let's drop down to the 2A sectional sectional 46 at Southwestern Hanover. The big deal there was Providence and Brownstown. Can the Pioneers, our local team, find a way to compete with Jack Benner and this really talented Brownstown team? They played, I don't know, maybe a 12-point game early, early in the year. I think it was the first game uh, for Providence and for both teams uh, way back at the end of November. When the pairings came out last night, that's going to be the case. Providence will open up with Eastern Pekin. Brownstown will open on Wednesday with Henryville. They're opposite of each other on the bracket, so I would be shocked if it's not a Providence-Brownstown championship game. I know you know Jack Benner, Purdue commit, great shooter. His dad, obviously, the coach there at Brownstown. It's an outstanding program. Can the Pioneers challenge Justin in that championship rematch if that's how it plays out? Well, no disrespect to anybody of my friends at Providence. I've seen Browns down in person. Uh, and when they are healthy, which they are now, uh, they are, they could compete and probably win the 4A sectional at Seymour. They're that good. Uh, BNL played them at Brownstown. It was a close game till the middle of the third quarter. And then they, they, it got away from them. And Brownstown's the reason. They're just, they've got size. They've got, you know, good guard play. Uh, they've got a great coach on the bench. One of the guys that I really respect in Southern Indiana. And so I, I think they could compete for a 4A state championship, let alone 2A. Uh, the only games they've lost this year is when either Benter was hurt or when one of the other players was out. And so when they're at full strength, they're as good as anybody. And so I think they have got to be the definite favorite there. Uh, I know Providence has had a great year. Uh, and I also, like you said, the first time, it's been a long time ago, so and things change. But uh, my money is going to be on Brownstown because just of – you know, how good they are, and, and at, now they're healthy and at full strength. Absolutely. Justin Soakland, WBIW.com. Uh, Got to ask you this. You're Mr. Bedford when it comes to sports. Um, Coach Jeff Allen announced his retirement after uh, Bedford was defeated in the regional round of the girls' tournament a few weeks ago. Uh, your recap story on his career and all the success of the Bedford program under his direction, just unbelievable. I think 13 sectional championships in a row for Bedford. Uh, Coach Allen, the head coach for many of those, I think he had 10 great, great seasons leading the, the stars, including a, cha- a state champion championship were you surprised to see him step down and i think he's a name that people know in the area whether they keep up with girls hoops or not but definitely someone you got to respect with what he was able to accomplish year after year after year at bnl uh i was not surprised and the reason being as he mentioned to me and and i put it in the story there uh he had some health issues health issues this year uh nothing you know drastic or major but just enough that he he felt that he couldn't do the job that he needed to do as far as being the head coach and putting the energy into it and on the sideline. He had considered uh, stepping down after they won the state championship last year, but wanted to come back for Chloe Springs' senior year uh, as she's going for Miss Basketball and things like that. And so he came back, and, uh, and again, they, you know, like you said, they won their 13th straight sectional title, which I've never seen before in the class era. I mean, the state record for sectionals in a row is 17, and they're getting close to that. Which is a remarkable achievement in this 4A era, with with all the, you know, the parity and all the familiarity as we mentioned in the 4A. Boys is, is still the same in the girls, and uh, you know, you had some teams really gunning for them too. Jeffersonville had some great teams, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, Jennings County this year thought this was their year, and and, and BNL just just you just can't 
realize how tough it is to slay the giant when you've got to beat them. And uh, that sectional game they played against Jennings in the final was one of the more remarkable performances that I've seen from an individual standpoint from a couple of BNL players, and they played great defense and won the game. So I, I really, really respect Jeff Allen, one of the great coaches that I've been around, one of the great people that I've been around, and I think he's destined for the Hall of Fame. If you look at his high school career, uh, he played at Vincennes University for two years, played at DePaul, was not a was not a great player at DePaul, but, you know, uh, at the time, back in the early 80s, DePaul was a national was a national figure as far as Mark McGuire and, and Tyrone Corbin and all these people that later played in the NBA. And then, and then, then his career at BNL just speaks for itself. So I, I think that he's destined for the Hall of Fame, and that's how much I think of him and the coaching job that he did here. Absolutely. Justin Soakland, WBIW.com, if you want to read about Bedford. I think he's already got a preview story out on the Bedford-New Albany makeup game Wednesday night. Uh, Justin, when I think of the Hoosier Hills Conference, uh, one of the great conferences in the state of Indiana, when I think of the 4A sectional at Seymour and a packed Lloyd E. Scott gymnasium, I think of Justin Soakland as well, man. You're right there in good company. (laughs) Oh, man, you need to expand your horizons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so no, much. I, for I being appreciate with us. that, man. I, it's, you know, I've been going over you know, over there for a long time. I've been covering you know high school sports since 1986, I think. I don't know. It makes me old. That's all I know. So, <laughs> but I appreciate that. I, I've I've seen a lot. I went through the Damon era. I watched Romeo for four years, and uh, and I've seen some great players in between them and since then. And it's just a it's just a, a great conference to watch. This year is just amazing in the boys' side because of the coaching turnover. Uh, Kirk Manns has got the tenure now in the, in the conference, and he's only been there a few more five years. When I came in, it was guys that had been here forever. You know, Joe Hinton and, uh, you know, Donnie Miller at New Albany and Danny Bush and, you know, on and on. And now we here in the conference of the seven coaches, uh, six of them are new or first or in their second year, which is an amazing turnover. But it's just the way it is. But it's it's been a lot of fun, and I really enjoy it, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as I possibly can. Great stuff. Justin Soakland, I'm sure our paths will cross again here in a week or so. Actually, later this week, I'll see you at the doghouse for the New Albany-Bedford game. But I'm sure we'll talk again uh, here during this postseason. And uh, thanks again, Justin. All right, man. Talk to you later. You can read Justin's work at WBIW.com. That's the Bedford radio station where his uh, athletic coverage of BNL is uh, housed there. We'll head to a commercial break. I, I want to get to that Borden 1A sectional as well. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the hour. I'll head to a break right now. We'll be joined in segment two today by Jeff Rabjohns, the editor of Peaks.com. Indiana with another loss at home, and this team heading to the back a few games of the season with a lot of work to be done and a lot of concern about where this team is at. Jeff Rabjohns talks all those topics and more. Stay with us. Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450, here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Honey Baked Ham in New Albany is the perfect spot for a healthy alternative. To bring up to you, and you've kind of already 
talked about it some, but you know, they're always in the good and bad times was their thing about Assembly Hall, where no matter what had happened the game or two before, you knew if the Hoosiers had a game at home with the raucous fans and the great environment, uh, that it was one of the special home courts in Big Ten basketball, really in college basketball. But this team this season, uh, any feel of any kind of advantage or let's protect Assembly Hall, it's gone out the window. It, it has. It has. And that is not the fans' fault. Okay, the fans show up. I mean, yesterday's, you know, the balcony across from me, you know, I sit sort of there, you know, behind the where the benches are. The balcony across from me was, was pretty empty, um, you know. But Sunday game, I don't know. Maybe some people were who normally went to the IU games went to the All-Star game. I would doubt it. You know, it's usually IU takes precedence over anything like that. Um, so you got to wonder about, you know, the, the, the temperature in the room and the fan base a little bit. You know, some frustration is setting in and, and disappointment. I think, <clears throat> you know, just, just, just reading the board. And obviously, you know, since I publish Peak.com, I'm on the board all the time. But I try to read it just to kind of, just, just, just to get the temperature in the room. And people are reaching the point that they're, I think they've gone from frustration to almost exasperation. Um, instead of being angry at the play, they just assume IU is going to have bad offense. They're going to stand around. They're going to have four guys under the free throw line while still trying to throw the ball in the post. So it's going to be really congested and hard. There's going to be some lack of blocking. You know, some of those people are like resigned to the expectation of bad play. And that's not a good place for a basketball program to be. Um, it's one thing to have a struggling year and have fans ticked off. You know, like you read the Iowa message boards and people are upset that, you know, their record is what it is, but they're upset. And they look at the roster and go, gosh, we, we really ought to be playing a lot better basketball up here. And, you know, I used to some of them, it's almost the opposite. And so I think that's a concern. I really do. I think that's something you, you do not want to lose your fan base. Um, you would rather have your fan base angry at a result of a game, angry at how you played in a game. You would rather have anger than apathy and people willing to skip going to IU basketball games. So I, I think there's some concerns right now for IU. Talking with Jeff Rabjohns, the editor of the Pigs.com website. Jeff, um, Malik Renew, I think, has been one of the bright spots basically throughout this season in good and bad times for the team. Uh, but one thing recently has been uh, foul issues. He has fouled out of games. He has gotten himself subbed out because of foul problems, which really has hindered his ability to kind of continue his forward momentum of scoring points and playing a, a key role on the interior for Indiana. Any explanation as to what's going on? It's kind of like defensively he's regressed, but offensively continued down the right path. Yeah, on, on the finals, I think it's times where um, the two main things that I see that lead to the extra foul that kind of gets him out of the game, whether it be the first half or actually get his, getting him his fourth or fifth. I mean, one time he gets a, <clears throat> sometimes he gets a little out of position and he reaches. And now that's a problem for a big man. You would rather have a big man just be properly positioned, proper footwork, just be big rather than reach with your arms. Just sometimes just be big. If they score over you, well, okay, fine, but they might not. But don't 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 reach. The other thing is when 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 drivers get to him, you know, he's not a big shot blocker and I think sometimes he, he tries too much to, to block some shots and, and he picks up a foul there. Um, so I th- I think that's I think those are the two things that happen. But 
to, to your point, he has been tremendous. You know, he, he's I use leading scorer, second leading rebounder. He's averaging two point six assists. Uh, I mean, there aren't very many guys who are primarily post players who are averaging two point five or more uh, assists per game. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's a he's a good player, but it would be obviously help IU if you know you get get a little bit, you know, one less foul. And, you know, I think that could definitely help him. Talking IU basketball with Jeff Rabjohns of Pigs.com. Six games left, Jeff, after the Sunday loss to Northwestern. Now it's Nebraska coming in on Wednesday. Penn State on the road. Wisconsin at home. Maryland in College Park. Minnesota on the road. And then Indiana wraps up the regular season with a home game on March 10th against Michigan State. That's all before Big Ten tournament play. Where's Indiana at? I mean, some fans will tell you they don't think this Hoosier team is capable of another victory this season. I don't know that I would say that or am to that point yet with this IU squad. But uh, Nebraska coming to town Wednesday, that is not an easy game. Penn State on the road. Uh, The Nittany Lions have already beaten Indiana on their home court. Uh, We obviously know Wisconsin. They are very solid this year. Um, I don't know that there's an opportunity for anything to really improve before things get to Big Ten tournament play. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another concern. Um, by the way, I'm sure people are out there just enjoying the fact that we're really lifting their spirits today, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it is what it is, man. You can't put whipped cream on an onion. Um, yeah, you know, according to the – you look at the analytics, the predictive analytics – and IU is uh, a one-point or worse underdog in all the remaining games. They are a three-point underdog or more in all but the Nebraska game at home. And, I mean, who in the world ever would have thought Indiana basketball is an underdog at home in Nebraska? I mean, who would have ever actually thought that? That is just a wild, wild thing. Um, So, yeah, it's... <clears throat> it, it's going to be a tough season. I think the the whole thing is going to be, you know, assuming, you know, I mean, right now, Quinn Buckner, you know, has uh, told people behind the scenes that, you know, he thinks Woody should get a fourth year to, to get the ship, you know, turned around and trained back on the tracks, however you want to phrase it. So regardless of what does or doesn't happen in the off season, the bit, the, one of the things that has to happen is they're going to have to flip this roster. Okay. Um, uh, you know, Mike Woodson has to understand you just can't go anywhere in the NCAA tournament if you are overly dependent on front court scoring. You just can't. I mean, Indiana had a, a fantastic player in Trace Jackson Davis, first team All American, guy who got votes for National Player of the Year, a guy who dominated January, February for about six, seven weeks, like very few players ever have. And IU won one NCAA tournament game over a MAC team. That's it. That's what you did with Trace Jackson Davis and NBA first-round draft pick Jalen Hutchfino. That's all you did. You have to have more guards and wings. You have to. Um, so I think the biggest thing, you know, assuming Woody stays, I mean, I'm just, you know, IU has a coach right now, so I'm just taking that off the table for the moment. Uh, but assuming Woody stays, they have to flip this roster. You have to. You, you can't just live by, well, we're going to throw in the post. You know, twos are as good as threes. First of all, twos are as not good as threes. Last time I checked, three is more than two. I'm pretty sure making it scoring two is not the same as scoring three. Um, so I just have to, the, the roster has to be constructed differently. 
It just has to. Or your chances of winning are very small. I mean, I remember when I asked in press conference early in the year, um, one of the very smart young analytics guys uh, sent me a chart and showed that teams attempting as few threes as IU has attempted through its first, you know, its first five games, first ten games, something like that, fairly early in the season. Only one team attempting that few threes had made the NCAA tournament in like the last 10 years. Made the tournament. Not did anything. Made the tournament. One in 10 years. 68 team tournament. That's one out of 680 teams. That's giving yourself less than a 1% chance to make the NCAA tournament. Indiana has to flip the roster. They have to get some more dynamic playmakers in the backcourt. They have to get some more shooters. And they next year, <clears throat> Mike Woodson's still the head coach. He's going to have to change the offense. They have to take more threes, or it's just going to be more of the same. Jeff Rabjohnspeaks.com. Jeff, along those lines, and I can't imagine that it could be in a great spot given Indiana's record and who knows where things are heading, but Derek Queen, according to 247 Sports, the network of your website, uh, believes that Derek Queen is going to be nearing a decision soon. Indiana, one of his finalists, along with Houston, Maryland, and Kansas. Does Indiana have a legitimate chance at this point for Queen given how things have went this year? Yeah, they do. They do. Because it's that old thing, like really talented players, they really don't care that much about how you're playing when they're not there. You know, they really don't. It's kind of strange. Um, you know, I've been covering recruiting now 33 years, and it's like I could talk to so many kids. And, like, the way they talk about schools is completely different than the way fans talk about their favorite schools. Because these are, these are big-time high school players. They have their own season. <clears throat> you know, you got your own practices, you got your own games. If you're playing at Mount Verde Academy, like uh, Derek Queen is, or you're playing up at Lalamere in LaPorte, Indiana, or some place like that, you got national travel, man. You're getting on planes, you're in hotels, you got your own friends, you got your own friend, you're playing video games, you're watching and high school players now, the top high school players, most of them, watch far more NBA than they watch in college. There are times I've talked to people about, kids about the schools. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, they're doing awesome this year. I was at the game. You know, they lost the one game I went to, but overall, they're awesome. You know, they made an NCAA tournament run last year, blah, blah, blah. And you look down and you go, well, that team didn't go to the NCAA tournament run last year. That team's 8-17 and 17 right now. I'm not too sure what the heck he's talking about. But it's just player views are different. And also, with really talented players, Derek Queen's a five-star. A lot of times they look at it and go, well, if I was there, we'd win. That's how they look at it. You know, it's like... Part of the reason, you know, Cody Zeller committed to IU after IU had three consecutive losing seasons, Tom Green's first three years. He looked at it and went, well, if I go there, I join Jordy, Christian Walker, we'll win. So, yeah, Indiana has has a real chance. Um, and, and Indiana also has a really good relationship um, with, with his mom and his mentor. You know, they've both been to Indiana. Uh, his mentor has been down to IU multiple times. So they like the just overall program of IU. They realize IU's having a struggling record right now. But, you know, 14 and 11 looks far worse to IU fans than it does nationally, you know, um, at least at least to recruits. You know, other national media people, I'm not talking about them, they're not advising recruits. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, Indiana does have a chance. And I'm sure there are some people listening going, what's Randy talking about? We stop, blah, blah, blah. you know, I, get, I understand the fan view. I do. Um, I'm just telling you, the fan view and the recruit view usually is different. Because if it was just about winning, if it was just about winning, Indiana and Maryland are not two of the finalists 
along with Houston, just went to the Final Four. Kansas just won a title. If it was just about who's winning the most. So, yeah, Indiana does have a chance. Now, when he says he might decide soon, that's, take that for what it is. He might decide soon. There's no guarantee he's going to decide soon. It's just what, what, a, what an 18-year-old kid is thinking at the moment. Great stuff, Jeff Rabjohnspeaks.com. Jeff, it's almost time for March Madness, so we got to have you back here in a couple weeks to dig into the Big Ten tournament and uh, the NCAA tournament, regardless of uh, Indiana's situation. But always appreciate the time, and we'll do this again soon. Sounds good, my friend. You have a great week, Matt. Appreciate you. You as well, Jeff Rabjohnspeaks.com, one of the great voices on IU basketball. and He brought up a ton of things, all great points, all could lead to a lot of follow-up questions. Really good stuff from Jeff Rabjohns. We'll have him back soon. We'll head to a commercial break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School. He's also an IHSAA executive board member. We'll get into some of the other sectional pairings from yesterday that we haven't spoke about. And then Ohio State with a major upset over Purdue and Matt Painter yesterday. Just kind of an early reminder of how crazy college basketball uh, this time of year can be. We'll talk about that next as well with Chad. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. T.A. Jenkins and T.A. Jenkins Company, LLC. Proud sponsor of high school basketball on the Big X. Call Terry Jenkins at 812-989-7381 for your residential and commercial construction needs. Design- you know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you as we wrap things up here in a busy week, a busy time. Great basketball and plenty to talk about. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown AD, and IHSA Executive Board member, our guest today. Chad, I want to get into some of the sectionals that I haven't had an opportunity to talk about so far today with you here in just a few moments. But Ohio State beats Purdue just days after Chris Holtman was fired. Coach Diebler, the interim head coach there, finishing out the season uh, is all most likely his task will be getting a huge win over the number two ranked Boilermakers. It just shows you that anything can happen this time of year. And for yesterday, when I saw that, oh, the final minutes of that game, it just was a reminder that March Madness in conference tournaments, it'll they'll all be crazy per normal. Matt, you were thinking just like I was thinking with that. The conference tournaments are going to be outstanding. I know we talk about them every year, but they are going to be great this year. Then you factor in March Madness, so much parity. Uh, it's it's a great time to watch those games, to enjoy them. I wouldn't bet on them if I was anybody out there because you never know who's going to be the, the, the winner. You know, we talk about that in the high school tournament. You don't have to be the best team, Matt. You just have to be the best team that night. Chad, uh, good, yeah, exactly. Good point. I want to. I'm looking here at the pairings. I want to make sure we cover these other sectionals locally. And I'm so used to you guys most years hosting. It seems the 3A uh, sectional. You guys host so much postseason activity at Charlestown, but this year sectional 30 and 3A at Scottsburg. It's one of the seven team sectionals. Salem and Silver Creek will open on Tuesday night. Wednesday, North Harrison against Scottsburg. Your Pirates of Charlestown will take on Corden on. 
Wednesday night. Then Friday, Madison gets the winner of Salem-Silver Creek. And then the winner of Game 2, North Harrison-Scottsburg, will take on the winner of Game 3, Charlestown and Corden Central. Uh, you know those teams well, Mid-Southern Conference teams. Uh, you see them coming in and out of Charlestown. You know the Pirates, obviously, very well. What's your thoughts? And talk us through that sectional now that we've got the pairings. Well, Matt, when the first to touch on base just a little bit about how the host sites work. Uh, so typically, we've got pretty good ADs in the Mid-Southern Conference, and they let Charlestown host the boys and the girls every other year. We host the girls regional every year, and we flip-flop between the boys and the girls, and that way it gives every school an opportunity to kind of host, kind of showcase, kind of use that as some leverage to maybe get some stuff done to your school, whether you want a uh, parking lot squared away or uh, a big project that you need to be done. You just tell your administration, we can't get this. We can't host a sectional until we get these things done, which is a hundred percent true. You got to have nice facilities in order to host these things. And so that's how we basically come about of who hosts the sectional every year. We host the girls this year, Matt, and it was only a six team sectional because Silver Creek was up in the four a bracket. Six team is so much better, Matt, and that's what and you know that being in the Hoosier Hills Conference, going to Seymour sectional, the Tuesday, Friday, Saturday is so much better to host. It's so much better to play in because you know Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, those are the games. We had that with our girls and with Silver Creek moving up, and it was excellent. Going to the boys' side now, we're back to a seven team because no one moved up due to the success factor. So we play one game on Tuesday two on Wednesday, two on Friday, and one on Saturday. Not near as exciting, not near as fun to host. Um, and quite frankly, it's something that we've done for a long, long time in our sectional that with the new classification, it's something that we need to take a hard look at as a group of teams in the sectional when they decide who that is. And with the IHSA, it's our turn to have a six-team sectional this time. Let someone else host a seven. And a lot of that is geographically determined. A lot of that is determined by who's in your class. For instance, Salem will move down to 2A next year. Um, and so that could, that could change some things up. But a, a Tuesday, Friday, Saturday is much better sectional to host. But that being said, I think you can look at it and say Scottsburg, they've been there. They've been to the uh, semi-state before. They've got most of their guys coming back from the year before that. I know they have an injury with the coach's son. And so I think he'll be back by the time the sectional comes around. But with their run they had on the girls' team this weekend, going uh, dropping out in the semi-state, I think Scottsburg is poised to make another deep run this year in Class 3A. Scottsburg will be tough to beat, especially on their home court, uh, famously known as the pressure cooker. And I'm sure it'll be really cooking uh, here in the month of March uh, when they get the opportunity to, to host. Chad, one other sectional I wanted to bring up. I love this sectional, the 1A sectional. I love when it's at Borden uh, Christian Academy in West Washington in a first-round game on Tuesday. Lanesville and South Central, a first-round game on Tuesday. Rock Creek got the bye. They'll take on the Christian Academy West Washington winner. Borden, the host, also a bye, and they will get the Lanesville South Central winner. A Christian Academy Borden game at Borden on Saturday night in that sectional. That would be a great environment. That would be a great place to be if you're a Southern Indiana high school basketball fan. You know, it always seems like whoever wins that sectional has an opportunity to make a deep run in the postseason play. So that'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. There's going to be a lot, a lot of high scoring going on in that sectional this year, Matt, so we'll see how it goes. I think some of the teams in the past that have caused some 
problems um, to our to that section. Maybe the Barreys, the North Davies, a little bit not up to where they used to be. I'm sure Lagodi will be a, a, a hard obstacle to overcome. But you know that's what you play these games for. You just it's like the Purdue Ohio State. You don't have to be the best team, just the best team that night. Chad Gilbert with me. Chad's the AD at Charlestown, IHSA executive board member as well. Chad, were you at the All-Star game over the weekend in Indianapolis? Matt, I would give anything to go to that All-Star game. I know people said, you know, there's not much defense, not much this, not much that. I think that's just a showcase of how good these guys are. They are so big, so athletic, so skilled. And I think it kind of shows a little bit how good a defense is really played during the season. Guys, when you have the ball, this is for anybody listening, if you have the ball, you're hard to go against. I mean, you control the game, not the defense. You put the pressure on the defense. Now, you're playing Providence, that's a different creature. They're going to make it hard on you, but there's still ways that you can attack that and make it tough on the defense. When you have the ball, you're the one who has to be aggressive, and I think you see that in the NBA. And then last night's uh, All-Star game was a way to showcase that. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Chad, I don't know if you had a chance to see it. I think it was called Indiana Glory uh, with Reggie Miller, Larry Bird, and also Isaiah Thomas. It was outstanding. Just an hour of talking memories and uh, so many neat things. Some, uh, coaches, Coach Knight, uh, Indiana State, Indiana, uh, talking about Isaiah coming from Chicago and how Coach Knight came into uh, the house and recruited him really away from DePaul. Um, I don't know if you were on the road at the game at some of the events surrounding the game and saw it or not, but it, it is outstanding TV if you haven't had a chance to watch it. You know, Matt, I'm not a big Zeke fan. I'm not a big Isaiah fan. Uh, I've grown to like Reggie as he's gone on. I think he does pretty good with his analysis and was a heck of a player. But, you know, Bird I can listen to forever. What was the most interesting part on that is Bird said he wanted to go to Kentucky. I never never knew that, and he would have been a great player for the Big Blue for sure. Yeah, you're right. But the problem is Reggie and Isaiah like to talk. It's hard to get Bird to talk, so it's hard to listen to him as much as the other guys. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, Chad. Thank you. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Cerny S Sports. Thank you very much. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. Back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>